the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Third and final hour. The time is flying by on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. News Talk 710-KNUS. My thanks again to Gordon Crawford, JROTC instructor in Denver Public Schools, for coming on and, shall we say, speaking his truth, talking about what happened in an uproariously, outrageously inappropriate and unprofessional meeting at Manual High School back in May with school board members Tay Anderson and Scott Esserman, who, by the way, said this at that meeting. I'm going to take go first, and then I, I bring up the rear. Sounds about right. I'll let, I'll let Tay go first and then bring up the rear. We have a few texts that came in, and then we'll jump over to our guest, Ruben Navarrete. But since we were on that subject all hour, I want to get to them real quick. Uh, thank you for having on a guest who really was slaving it up at DPS. Woo! Yes, yes, indeed. Good one. Good one. I just can't even stand to hear little Tay's pathetic voice. Unbelievable. He has a leadership role. Very sad. Thanks for your message. Hopefully his, oh, another text. Hopefully he has opened his eyes to the teachers unions talking about Gordon Crawford. He needs to stop throwing his money into those leftist organizations. And one other text from Alexa. Tay is anything but a grown man. His thirst for constant power and attention is very ugly. Make no mistake, that is absolutely unquestionably true. We'll open up the phones here in just a bit at 303-696-1971 for your feedback on that or any other subjects. But let's talk about a few rather interesting topics, especially because of the take that our guest has on those interesting topics, including the southern border. And Kirsten Sinema, the senator from Arizona, saying sayonara to the Democratic Party, at least in terms of switching independence, you'll still caucus with the Democrats. Ruben Navarrete is a syndicated columnist, my good friend, and always a great pot stirrer. And he joins me now. Good morning. Feliz Navidad, Ruben Navarrete. Good to talk with you, my friend. Feliz Navidad, Jimmy. Good to be with you again. Um, You know, before we get into some of the topics that you've written about, I want to get your reaction to this announcement from Kirsten Sinema. I've registered as an Arizona independent. I know some people might be a little bit surprised by this, but actually, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, a growing number of Arizonans and people like me just don't feel like we fit neatly into one party's box or the other. And so, like many across the state and the nation... I've decided to leave that partisan process and really just focus on the work that I think matters to Arizona and to our country, which is solving problems and getting things done. Now, as someone who can't really be fit into one party's box or the other, Ruben Navarrete, what is your reaction to that news and what does it mean, if anything, in terms of significance? Thank you, Jimmy. Well, given that my podcast is called Ruben in the Center, given that I fight the right and the left at, at will, you know, if you want to fight me, you be on the right or the left, I'll be there. Uh, I, I can that part of 
what Christian Cinema has said resonates with me. There are a growing number of people who are independents who don't aff affiliate themselves with either party. Uh, so we know that, and the polling shows that. But the second read on that uh, announcement comes from the uh, cinema haters on the left who have presented her because they think she's a closet Republican. They would say that the only reason she did this after the Democrats reached a 51 majority in the Senate was that she needs attention. She's always going to need attention. And now she doesn't get attention anymore because she's not going to be the center of attention because they don't need her as a as a tie-breaking vote. The last and final read, Jimmy, on this is neither of those two. It's simply that she is um, uh, she's fed up with the, with the parties and she ultimately does sort of think that there's a better way of attacking these problems in a nonpartisan way. And, and maybe it is that she uh, just, um, you know, thinks this is her opportunity because she can't hurt the Democrats. I mean, let's put it that way. You know, if, if this were a 50-50 Senate again, her vote would be needed in the Democratic Party. She now has the luxury and liberty of moving out and to be an independent because she's not going to hurt the Democratic majority, you see. So in that regard, because you still have Kamala Harris who can come in and cast the designing vote as vice president. So in that regard, the fact that Democrats did well and retook the Senate or kept the Senate uh, and grew the majority slightly gives her the liberty of being able to, to wander off. So there's lots of different ways to read it. Uh, it all depends on how you feel about Christian cinema, whether you think she has any, any, interten uh, any uh, integrity or not. And I tend to think the answer is not. Yeah, I mean, it, it does seem to me like the most logical explanation, and this is what some of the leftists point to, and I think it's probably more likely than not, is that she would be booted out in a primary. Mm -hmm. And this at least gives her a chance to pull from both parties if she wants to run for re-election. Maybe she's trying to get a lobbying job or some sort of thing after leaving the Senate, and this gives her maybe more credit as sort of an independent thinker or something like that. But it's hard to fathom that she would fare very well in a Democrat primary right now because there's so much angst towards her. Yeah, the Democrats have said, Schumer said she's going to be able to keep her committee assignments I mean, to be fair, you have to look at people like Bernie Sanders, who also identifies as an independent. Yes. But here's the joke of it. He identifies as an independent, but he runs for president as a Democrat. <laughs> right, exactly. Right? So there's no harm, no downside for her to code an I. From now on, I want to be known as a, not as a D, but as an I, when she still gets all the benefits of being affiliated with the Ds. Yeah, go figure. Isn't that nice and tidy? Ruben Navarrete, syndicated yep. columnist, joining us. He's also a writer, a columnist at The Daily Beast. And let's start here for context before we sure. build an immigration. You have a piece. I haven't gotten to read it yet. It just went out today. Like it or not, here's five good things about Trump's presidency. What do you have to say here today, Ruben? I signed on on my uh, Twitter account this morning. I was blasted by the left with both barrels. Uh, they're calling it a clickbait. They're saying that this is something the Daily Beast and I did to provoke people. They they say, well, I'm not persuaded. This is, a, this is a stupid article. It's an outrageous article. Trump didn't do anything right. These are all folks on the left. All, Jimmy, folks on the left who do not understand how it is that Donald Trump still has a hold over 30 to 40 percent of the Republican Party. Uh, and that may change going forward if Ron DeSantis is serious about running for president and and Donald Trump attacks Ron DeSantis in a childish way, as he's already begun to do, you may see some of the people in your audience who are now for Trump not be so good for Trump anymore. But at least today, the left has always failed in trying to understand or, or fail to understand the appeal of Donald Trump and give him any credit for the things that he's done right. So I wrote a column saying, don't misunderstand. I voted against Trump twice. I think he'd be a disaster for the 
for the presidency. I'd sooner run, vote for Ron DeSantis over Donald Trump, and I hate Ron DeSantis, okay? So given all that, I'm not coming at this from the pro-right end of it, but I've got to give the devil his due. Let me lay out four or five things he's done that um, I think were helpful. And one of them, I'll just say, was I said at the beginning, he, bought, he brought some autonomy, balance, and common sense to foreign policy. Mm-hmm. By pulling out of the Iran deal, by moving uh, the capital of um, recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, uh, by pulling out of the climate accords, and, and ultimately by uh, pushing back on NATO to say that NATO countries had to pay for their own defense and not simply ride you know, on this gravy train provided by the United States. That's just one of the five. <laughs> and already that was unpersuasive to a lot of folks on the left who didn't want to hear anything. So I think, if anything, this kind of sets up Trump very well because he's always best when he's underestimated. And the boneheaded left, the boneheaded liberal Democrats don't want to give him any credit for the things he's done right. And they attack someone like me who has, I don't know, written dozens and dozens of anti-Trump columns. They don't even know who their friends are, those guys, those clowns on the left. Well, one of the things that you were very critical of President Trump on was the issue of the southern border and immigration. Mm. And interestingly Mm -hmm. enough, you are now, it seems, equally as critical of Joe Biden. In fact, even saying in your upcoming column tomorrow, your syndicated column, that with Biden running immigration policy, the new boss is the same as the old boss. Wait, are you saying that Joe Biden on immigration is now just basically Donald Trump? Yeah, he's a Donald Trump clone on immigration. And one of the other five points I mentioned, the Daily Beast piece, had to do with immigration. I give Donald Trump credit for taking that issue and putting it on the front page. That before Donald Trump, it was simply a fringe issue that people in the Southwest cared about. You cared about in Colorado or in where I live in California or Texas, Arizona. New Mexico, but not the rest of the country. And so I give Donald Trump credit for putting on the front page. But but with George, uh, with Joe Biden and this piece that I've written about Biden, I've been tracking Biden for two, almost three years now. You know, well, two years, certainly since uh, he became president and before that on immigration. And he's been horrible. And I think, Jimmy, in order to understand why Joe Biden is so horrible on immigration, you have to understand three things. You have to understand where he came from in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Uh, you have to understand that he's pro-union and that unions have always been against immigration because they don't want the competition from immigrant workers. Two, you have to understand that he grew up his entire life, Jimmy, in a black and white world. He does not see people like me. He doesn't see the color brown. He doesn't see Mexican-Americans like me who've been, my family's been in this country for five or six or seven generations through the Texas part of the family. He doesn't see that. He sees black and white. And lastly, you have to see that Joe Biden was vice president to Barack Obama who was terrible on immigration, Barack Obama deported 3 million people by deputizing local law enforcement through secure communities uh, and this exponential growth in deportations. He broke all his promises on immigration. And that's why when the time came to choose in the Nevada primary for Latino voters to choose between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden, they chose overwhelmingly Bernie Sanders. They called him Feel Bernie. They went for Bernie because Joe Biden lives in a black and white world, and Joe Biden has never had a good record with Latinos or immigrants or immigration. So that's the setup, Jimmy. That's how we got here. And where we push it forward is that basically he has acknowledged the value and the utility of a lot of Donald Trump's policies, including Remain in Mexico. And now he's replicating those policies in a very dishonest way, and he's taking off the old label and putting on the new label 
and pretending that's his policy. And the, my, my friends on the right wing, instead of fighting me and saying that they believe this nonsense, these lies on Fox News about how Biden is pushing an open border, should be applauding me for calling out the left on their hypocrisy and duplicity. Now, Ruben, we have seen growing numbers under Biden's presidency, during Biden's presidency, of southern border crossings and apprehensions. We have seen a a, a ineptness in terms of going to the border, in terms of showing any sort of of seriousness rhetorically or otherwise that might discourage folks from coming across the southern border. I mean, okay, he may be looking at— what do you do when title this Title 42 border policy goes away? What do you do to address this issue of such an influx a little more tightly? But how do you get off actually saying that he has gone to the point of Donald Trump? I don't see that. So what specific things show, bring yeah. that to you? Let me give you some specifics. First of all, Joe Biden campaigns for president saying he's against the border wall. He's against Trump's big, beautiful border wall over and over again to get the votes of Latinos to fool us and lie to us into voting for him. And he says, if I'm elected, I'm not going to build a single foot more of this border wall. Okay, great. He gets elected. The news item now, the border wall is deteriorating. It's falling apart. Okay, so the so the Biden administration through Mayorkas and Homeland Security, they're down there fixing the wall. They're not tearing it down. They're fixing it and extending it. So that's why number one, right? So that's how he's become Donald Trump, because he's saving Donald Trump's wall. Item number two on Title 42, he runs for president and says, you vote for me. Okay, you vote for me, all you dumb and gullible Mexicans. You vote for me, and I will do away with Title 42. He gets elected. He keeps it for two years. Okay, it's still in place for two years. He keeps it. You know why we're doing away with Title 42, Jimmy? Do a Google search. It's a federal judge who struck it down, who right. says it has to be ended by December. No, no bonus points for Biden on that one. So that's number two on Title 42. And now three remain in Mexico. My idiot liberal friends are trying to convince me that the reason that Biden is, is having to send people back to Mexico is because a federal judge ordered it so. But the Supreme Court recently, with Kavanaugh and Roberts joining with the liberal minority— they said that, no, Biden, you're allowed to strike down the Remain in Mexico policy. Let them on in. So what does he do? He sends his Ivy League eggheads in the White House to put together a policy on a blackboard to come up with a new way of keeping people in Mexico. So there's three strikes on the wall, on Title 42, mm. and on Remain Mexico. See, I deal in facts, Jimmy. I'm not, this is not Tucker Carlson. I'm not Sean Hannity. I'm not Jesse Waters. I don't deal in BS, okay, and sound bites. I deal in facts. And so, I know this issue inside and out. And I'm telling you that Joe Biden is a lying fraud when it comes to immigration. And the mm-hmm. right wing is stupid for not seeing it. So let's let's just take <laughs> everything that you said at, at face value. And you, you've you struck on a lot of very important points. Well, that Google are, it, right. guys. Yeah, no, fa- factually, it. especially when you talk about Title 42, you're absolutely right. But let's talk about Latinos. You write that Latino voters, they're not the only ones who are disappointed, Mexican-Americans. Biden has been a huge letdown to Latinos on immigration, which may help explain why so many of us are fleeing the Republican Party. Well, hold on one second. When we 
go to Congresswoman Myra Flores, who is a Mexican-born, the first female Mexican-born member of the U.S. House of Representatives of Texas. Uh, Overall, she's the first, but she represents the 34th district in Texas. And here is what she said at an event this week outside the Capitol. I want to say something really quick about DACA. You know, y'all have had the president and the majority. Why don't you ask them? Y'all keep using this issue with Hispanics just to get our support, just to get our vote. And you've done nothing. You've had an opportunity to do something about DACA, and you've done nothing. You've made the border, the border worse. Go and ask them why they haven't done anything. They have the president. They've had the majority. Y apenas están acordando. Now y'all are remembering about DACA. Why weren't y'all talking about DACA two years ago? Stop using this issue. Stop using us to get our vote. And then you toss us aside. That's exactly what the Democrat Party has been doing. They only remember about us and the issues that we care during election. They're on their way out. And all of a sudden, they want to fight DACA. Why didn't they fight it whenever they could? Hipócritas. Now, that, of course, was another issue dealing with DACA and uh, what has been labeled the the dreamer group of uh, the children uh, brought here uh, illegally through no fault of their own. But here's the thing. You have her making those points as a Republican congresswoman, by the way, from Mexico, talking about how the Democrats are playing games to win over Latino voters. But then also, I was at the Colorado Hispanic Republicans Christmas party a couple of nights ago, and it was very well attended by Latino Republicans. And the border is an issue that fires them up where they actually want stricter border regulations and and restrictions and so forth, and so do those Republican Hispanics in Congress. So where are Latinos really on that issue of the southern border? So two questions for you. Okay. Okay, so the first question was what, besides... It was was about what what Myra Myra Flores' comment in regards to... yes. First of all, bravo to Myra Flores. I'm glad you played that. She's right about the fact that Democrats have been lazy, and they try to use the fact that Republicans will say racist things about immigration. And I've been writing about those racist things for 30 years. And they use that to their benefit because now they feel like don't, that Democrats, that Latino Democrats don't have anywhere to go but to the Democratic Party. And so bravo to her for bringing that up. She lost. It's too bad Myra Flores lost. She's an on-factor now. She's not a co- member of Congress anymore. Mm-hmm. She lost her race in Texas. Okay. Uh, but she spoke the truth there. You may because she doesn't have to worry about keeping her seat. She gave it to us true and she's right. Now, it is the case also, though, that other Latinas have been elected to Congress. At least three Latina Republicans are headed to Congress. Okay, and that's a good thing. I I applaud that. Yeah. My friends on the left don't, but I do. And I think that what she brings up there is a very important point about how conflicted Latinos feel about immigration. And many of us who've been here for many generations, uh, they don't necessarily welcome people coming across the border or they want them to come legally and certainly not illegally. So that's very legitimate. And if you want splinter, take a look at the modern day Republican Party, which is which is splintered into 50 different pieces. <laughs> That's true. Because of Donald Trump. Yes. So Republicans are really in a poor position to talk about why aren't you people unified? My response is, well, look at you. Why aren't you people unified? So <laughs> that's fair enough. With regard to what you saw at the Colorado meeting, uh, it is it is definitely a case that Republic that Latinos have always been Republican ish, that we are conservative Democrats. We're not just Democrats, but conservative Democrats. I happen to be neither a Democrat nor a Republican. 
I guess I'd be with Kirsten Sinema and Independent in the Senate. But certainly we are conservative to the degree that we're Democrats. We're conservative Democrats. If we were Republicans, we're liberal Republicans. We belong in the center. We don't like or trust the extremes. And on an issue like immigration, what that means is we want common sense. And we don't want, I guess I'm, I'm sick and tired of hearing the business interest and the GOP, which carries water for big business, complaining about how there's, quote, an invasion on the border, when without illegal immigrant labor, states like Texas, Colorado, California, and Arizona would shrivel up and blow away in the, in the wind. Yeah, well, here's the thing, Ruben Navarrete, our guest syndicated columnist. When we look at any demographic group and you say, okay, you got Latinos, and that's very broad. I mean, you have immigrants or families that are multiple generations of, of Americans who whose parents or grandparents or great-great-grandparents came from Mexico, from Puerto Rico, from yeah, – uh, and yeah. technically Puerto Rico is part of the United States – but uh, Cuba, yeah. Venezuela, the list goes on. So there can be no monolith when you're talking about a group like Hispanic voters. I mean, that, that that's one of the – There is problems. no monolith. Yeah. There's no monolith, but there's a broad strain that runs through it. Like you have Christian evangelical Christians. They're not monolithic. Mm-hmm. But there's enough of a current through an issue like abortion, okay, that enough of them are united around it. And that's how Latinos are with the issue of immigration. They're always going to be outliers. But, you know, the numbers speak for themselves. In California in 1994, when everybody went to vote against or went to vote on Proposition 187, I saw something I've never seen before, which I've never seen before, which is 78 percent of Latinos voting against it. Mm-hmm. So we are united against our common enemies let's put it that way and i i know this my puerto rican friends my cuban friends mexican friends we all fight about different things but we're united by catholicism by spanish and by immigration and so if you mess with us mess with us on those issues you're going to pay for it ruben navaretti we got to leave it there thank you so much for your time my friend always interesting and stimulating conversation when you join the program Jimmy, remember, right or left, I'm ready to fight tonight. Bring it on, baby. Oh, one of these days we'll really bring the fight, I'm sure. We've done it before. <laughs> I look forward to that. Ruben Navarrete, Feliz Navidad, my friend. Thank you. You too. Once again, syndicated columnist Ruben Navarrete joining us. Also writes for The Daily Beast. Watch for his syndicated column tomorrow through the Washington Post Writers Group. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger. We'll be right back. More to come on News Talk 710 KNUS. Your calls 
Welcome back to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Best damn Christmas bumper music known to man. Available at jimmysangenberger.com slash bluesified Christmas. And the only show on your radio dial where the host will bring out one of his harmonicas and play along with the bumpers. (laughs) By the way... You can come here, yours truly, perform at Dakota Tavern in Parker with the Jimmy Jr. Blues Band. That's my stage name, Jimmy Jr. The Jimmy Jr. Blues Band will be playing on Friday, January 30th. That's a Friday again, excuse me, not January, December 30th. The penultimate day of the year, it's the penultimate party of the year. From 7.30 to 11.30. Come on out. would love to meet you. Enjoy some great music. Have a good time to kick off the New Year weekend just right. And not only that, the next morning, because yes, we're going to be live on New Year's Eve morning at 6 a.m. on the Jimmy Singenberger Show right after having performed until just before midnight and probably I'll get no sleep, maybe maybe one or two hours. Then again, that's pretty normal, isn't it, Leroy? I don't get much shut-eye before a Saturday morning show anyway. But that morning, New Year's Eve, from 7, the 7 o'clock hour and the 8 o'clock hour, I will be joined in studio by our good friend Biff Gore for another special New Year's edition of the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. He was on Season 6 of The Voice. It's going to be a blast. We'll play some music. We'll talk and have some conversation. He's a pastor, so we'll talk some faith. We'll talk some politics. Who knows where the discussion will go? We'll answer phone calls. It'll be a great time. Friday night, December 30th, the Jimmy Jr. Blues Band at Dakota Tavern in Parker, 7.30 p.m. And then the Jimmy Sangenberger Show here on 710 KNUS. That New Year's morning, New Year's Eve morning, we will speak with Uh, Jeff Crump that morning about uh, we do an annual special conversation about musicians that we've lost in the year. And we'll have Biff Gore in studio. And that's just a little bit of what we've got coming up. And since we're on the uh, bandwagon of let's give you a little heads up about things that are going on. That's all fun. I'm also going to be filling in for George Brockler this coming Wednesday from 6 to 10 right here on Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710-KNUS-303-696-1971 is our telephone number if you want to join in to the festivities. What did you make of the conversation with Ruben Navarrete regarding the immigration issue? I mean, he was basically contending, basically, literally contending, that Joe Biden has adopted Trump border policies. He's continued to fix the border and border wall and to add to the border wall and is addressing the remain in Mexico policy and taking other actions that are very similar to what Trump was doing. Do you buy it? Is that substantial enough to say, hey, this guy Joe Biden is actually right on the border, and the Democrats are just playing political games. Pretending not to address it, but at the same time addressing it. Now, this was interesting. Congresswoman-elect Monica de la Cruz, not sure which state she represents, 
But she was another Hispanic Republican who's deeply concerned about what's happening in the border. And this is one thing that it's like, okay, why would you have Hispanics, not of Hispanics, expressing frustrations about the border and immigration issues in a way that's different from what Ruben expresses if there wasn't more to the story than, oh, Biden's just continuing Trump's policies because I don't feel it. I don't see it. But here's what she had to say about Congresswoman-elect Monica de la Cruz about the untold stories of Border Patrol agents. We can all agree that there is a crisis on our border that needs immediate attention. And the media has covered that. But what the media doesn't hear are the stories that Border Patrol families are telling us. And those stories include things such as brave men and women who wake up extra early and they make extra sandwiches so that when they find an abandoned child on a farmland left by the cartel that is hungry, they have food to give them. They hold granola bars in the back of their truck so that they're able to give them a bite to eat. When some of these children have been with cartel members and coyotes and haven't eaten for days. You don't hear the stories of the Border Patrol men who are delivering babies in the harsh brushland of Texas. All of this takes a toll on our brave men and women who are defending our nation's borders. Wonderful for her to speak up for the Border Patrol agents and what they are going through on a regular basis, on a daily basis. Now, just a quick little note that De La Cruz is about to be the first Republican to represent Texas's 15th congressional district in over 100 years. That's pretty darn awesome. That's a a, a really great sign. But she is speaking about the plight of Border Patrol agents, speaking about what they're going through and expressing deep concern over that. And it's good to see in Congress you will have more voices who are Latino who are going to say, look, we have to address this. we got to take it seriously. Stop playing games on immigration. And especially, in this case, they're Latinas, like De La Cruz or... Anna Paula Luna, Paulina Luna. I mean, when we look at what's happening in that regard, that's deeply encouraging and important. 303-696-1971. Let's go to Jim in Denver. Jim, you got a great name. Merry Christmas. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Hey, good morning. Uh, You know, just jokingly, I've always said that illegal immigrants are the future of this nation. I've been saying it for 30 years through uh, multiple sets of leaders. And uh, I, I heard your uh, interviewer, and uh, he he actually was right. Uh, in fact, they used to refer to uh, Obama as the importer, or I'm sorry, the deporter in chief, because statistically, when you look at the uh, deportations under our so-called this is leaders true. Mm-hmm. For, for decades, um, uh, Bush... Um, Bush didn't uh, deport um, nearly as many people. It got ramped up as soon as uh, Obama got in. 
and then it ramped back down as soon as uh, Donald J. Trump got in. So we're watching, uh, you know, more of the same. I just can't get over how Fox News um, just keeps lying to me every time I try and turn them on again. I mean, they're telling me there's a diesel shortage. That's a total lie. I mean, I, I can't watch them anymore. Every time I turn them back on, I just hear more garbage. And I can't get excited about it. So where where does that leave us right now? All that you were just saying, where do you think that leaves us uh, politically or as a country, broadly speaking? Politically, I think uh, we, we, we're being lied to um, every time we turn on any type of media. Left this and right. Not the Left and right. Media. Oh, yeah. Big media, small media. They've all got their angle. Have you ever heard of a guy from the 1980s called... Paul Weirich, he died uh, I think last year, maybe two years ago. I have not. You heard of him? Mm-mm. No. You should look up Paul Weirich and look at his theories on voting and the goo-goo government uh, and, and all that. I'm sure you've heard it before. You probably just don't recognize it. But uh, he quite literally says that we don't want people in this nation voting. Our, our political power goes down as the voting public goes up and and i've listened to your show and 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 i gotta tell you i i do believe that we all believe that there's a lot of stupid people that are voting that shouldn't be and uh, voting should be harder and it should be for a better class of people and and i can't disagree with that Hmm. and paul weirich really laid well here's my view i think we need an informed citizenry but i wouldn't i I, uh, look i don't think it's practical to restrict voting in Colorado more than it already is. And I wouldn't take up that fight. But I do think that that the necessity for an informed voting populace is not only something that we that should be a truism today, but it was a truism back when our country was founded. I mean, what was it uh, that James Madison said? Knowledge will forever govern ignorance and a people who mean to be their own governors must arm themselves with the power which knowledge gives. And and that is a, a very fundamental point. Wow, that's a great quote. Did you just pull that out of your backside? Yes, yes, I have memorized that particular <laughs> James Madison quote over the last years. So it's a good one, isn't it? And a great name, too, James, right? Right, Jim? You know, it works. All right, brother. Hey, I got to run. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Merry Christmas to you as well. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number. If you want to get in the conversation in the final segment on the other side, don't go anywhere. The Jimmy Sangenberger Show, Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710 KNUS. Oh, yeah. Joe Bonamassa wrapping up things here this morning. Let's keep this nice and quiet behind me, if we can. Leroy Doffenbaugh, producer extraordinaire. Keep it going. You could check out Jimmy's Bluesified Christmas Bumpers playlist, jimmysangenberger.com. All E's all the time, right at the top. You'll see it. There's a button for it. Bluesified Christmas Bumpers. Check it out. Little Joe Bonamassa with his rendition of one of my absolute favorite Christmas tunes, Merry Christmas, Baby. Good to be with you. News Talk 710KNUS. Once again, I will be in for George Brockler this coming Wednesday, the 14th. 
on 710 KNUS. This morning, Peter Boyle's warming up in a bullpen. He will be on the air in just a matter of minutes. We'll see what he's got cooking up for you. Now, I, I just want to go back. We spent the first, or the second hour of the show talking with Gordon Crawford, the JROTC instructor in Denver Public Schools. Remember this one? I want to know why the kids are leaving. Ain't nobody in manual history ever said I'm leaving JROTC. And I'm not going to let you take that bullet. And I get you trying to protect your employees, but sometimes grown men will have to answer to their grown choices. And nothing's coming as far as consequences. Unless folks vote him out. He's running for re-election, Tay Anderson. But, I mean, if you missed that hour, hour number two, check out the podcast. 710knus.com. Go to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show page, or if you go to jimmysangenberger.com, make it easy to get to the podcast as well. And it is worth listening to because it is a prime example of the flailing school board and their failure to be professional, their failure to act appropriately, their failure to keep somebody like Tay Anderson in line, who's one of their colleagues. Uh, Deeply disturbing in many respects. What's also disturbing, when the Biden administration denies that they were involved at all in any Twitter effort to censor conservatives. Twitter, uh, Elon Musk, uh, this week fired uh, the former FBI general counsel, Jim Baker, who was serving as a top Twitter lawyer. Um, Musk alleges that he may have been involved with uh, countermanding his attempts at transparency. Um, And I was wondering if anyone in the Biden administration was in touch with Baker, either regarding moderation decisions that critics call political censorship or regarding uh, his transparency efforts recently. So it's up to private companies uh, to make these types of decisions. We were not involved. I can say that we were not involved. Corinne Jean-Pierre, White House press secretary there. Yes. Absolutely, the administration has been involved in the past couple of years in online censorship. And again, Twitter can do what they want independently. But when you have the all-knowing, all-powerful federal government or any government agency getting involved in trying to guide the censorship of certain content or to push certain content, that is at the very least questionable and untoward, if not flagrantly unconstitutional, because that's where you get the government Getting a pri- enlisting a private company in doing what the government otherwise could not do itself. Deeply disturbing stuff. We'll keep tabs on it as we continue every Saturday morning. The Jimmy Sangenberger Show, News Talk 710K in U.S. Next Saturday, we'll spend an hour with Casper Stockham in studio. The first officially announced candidate for state party chairman in the Republican Party. We'll see what he's thinking for the GOP's future. That's it for me. Peter's up next. Have a great weekend. And as always, may God bless America. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.